It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody could ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants Mobile app. We'll punch you in the nose for 60 minutes with a relentless competitive attitude. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Welcome to Tuesday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live, presented by New York Lottery. Thanks for being with us. I'm Paul Dottino. Super Bowl champion putter Jeff Fiegels is with us today. Our phone number is 201-939-4513, 201-939-4513. You can also find us on Twitter at hashtag GiantsChat. He is at Jay Fiegels. I am at GiantsWFAN. As a reminder, you can find the archive of this show or our entire podcast network brought to you by Investors Bank on the Giants mobile app, podcast platforms everywhere, and at Giants.com slash podcasts. Ooh, Jeff, we have a- news. <laughs> Sterling Shepard has been activated to the practice availability roster, which means he will be out there today during what is going to be mostly a walkthrough, according to head coach Joe Judge. But his turf toe is obviously on the mend, and this would make him a possibility for the Philadelphia game on Thursday. Yeah, well, until we get to see how he runs around, I mean, um, you know, there's not a lot of access for us to see. So I think that it's just going to be one of those things. I, it, just because he's been activated doesn't mean he has to play. You know that, Paul. So they got 21 days to be able to bring him and let him know that he can now play. But who knows? I mean, listen, um, Injury at that position with C.J. Board, so they're going to have to fill the void somewhere. Uh, so we'll see what happens. But that's Board happy. Co- to, I'm happy to hear him come, you know, to get him back. Yeah, well, to clarify, Board off the concussion the other day, of course, yeah. against Washington. Now, the Giants did officially put Lorenzo Carter with the tour Achilles on injured reserve yesterday, which means they have a spot on their 53, uh, which has not been filled as of the moment, which may or may not be held right now for Sterling Shepard to come back Thursday. That's why I mentioned that, because it's convenient how the spot seems to be floating out there, and it would be a good opportunity for them to just slot him in and potentially play against the Eagles. And in a normal world, this, is, I, this wouldn't, you know, you hear IR, you hear season ending, or you have that designation. But this year, it was Lorenzo Carter. Is there a designation where that is season ending no, well, IR? No, but the torn Achilles, it won't matter. He won't right, be back till right. next year anyway. But, so okay. that's irrelevant. Okay, I got anyway, you. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that uh, Joe Judge talked about today, obviously uh, he was asked about Carson Wentz, who has been very inconsistent and also has had a lot of injuries the last couple of years. But a guy who extends plays, uh, is not afraid to throw the ball anywhere on the field. He's got the arm to throw it deep. And, of course, they occasionally throw Jalen Hurts in there as well to use some trick plays, some running plays. Hurts can throw it. I mean, he was a quarterback in college. And so, uh, you know, Joe Judge, not looking at the Philadelphia record at all, understanding that this team does have some weaponry. Yeah, I mean, I think that Carson Wentz is a guy that, you know, you never know what you're going to get. He's played well against the Giants enough to beat them. And I'm not going to tell you how many times this team has beat the Giants over the last 10 years. Well, let's put it this way, Jeff. The Eagles have won 20 of the past 24 meetings. There you go. Okay. So, uh, has that Carson goes back Wentz... to 2008, by the way. Mm. Yeah. I know. Well, yeah. talk about <laughs> weapons. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, listen, the, the, their offense is decimated with injuries. Their defense is a little bit healthier, but 
Their offense is, is inconsistent because of the fact that it's, it's a turnstile at offensive line position, in and out, guys. Their backups are even hurt. But, you know, we don't care. We don't care about that. So, you know, I think this is a good time to get after Carson Wentz, and he will throw you some interceptions. He's got nine of them on the season. Um, you know, you mentioned, you mentioned Jalen Hurts. He's, he's thrown one pass, and he's thrown – and actually he has seven rushing attempts. But get this, for 50 yards or 49. So he can definitely make some plays. And, um, you know, Peterson, he gets, he gets that little playbook going and, and designs things, especially in the red zone, very creative down there. So if they get down there, uh, watch out. It's just, you never know what they're going to throw at you. Now, of injury note, uh, yesterday it was revealed that both Sanders and Ertz uh, will not play against the Giants for various injuries. Goddard, their second-string tight end, who, with Ertz, provides a very deadly duo at the position. He is out because of an ankle and has been for a while. So there's no question that Philly is missing three of its top offensive threats going into this game. As we all know, though, with the hex that they've had on the Giants for the better part of a decade, uh, that may not necessarily make any difference. Do you know if Deshaun Jackson is, is, is back? Well, Coach Judge said he's playing it as if Jackson will be back, and I know there is a possibility. It has already been floated down there in Philadelphia that Jackson may be ready for this one. Mm-hmm. Well, like, that gives him a big, a big target to guy to go down down the field with but Zach Ertz being out is a big break for the Giants I mean he is just a hell of a player obviously he ruins the game many many times for the Giants but you know somebody that Carson Wentz has gotten comfortable throwing to and big play after the catch too so um, get him out of there and you know he was second behind Greg Ward in reception so yeah that is a big that's a big break for the Giants well, Jeff, before we go any further and we start getting to our phone calls at uh, 201-939-4513, I would be remiss if I didn't get at least a thumbnail reaction from you off the Giants' first win of the season on mm-hmm. Sunday against the Washington football team. Uh, certainly a dramatic win, uh, maybe not the prettiest win you'd ever want to see, but the one thing that I really took from that game an outstanding coaching job, I thought. The game plan on both sides of the ball was just terrific. And the execution, for the most part, was good enough that it allowed a terrific game plan to win the game. Yeah, I agree with you. I think, obviously, we can nitpick the game, but being around it as long as I have, I don't really care. If you're a player, you win. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's one win. And, by the way, it's a win in the division. And you got another game on Thursday night. Quick turnaround and try to win that game in the division. Be two and one in the division. That's that's big. I think the Giants last week. Uh, I thought they played just through the, through the, everything to the whistle, everything to the last minute. Uh, that two minute attempt by the Red, by the Washington was just I mean covered like you couldn't believe. Uh, they actually installed that defense on Friday and went over it on Saturday. So that was, you know, executed perfectly. And I think that this team uh, got to the position where they are because they were in games and they just had not gotten over the top. But they learned, they learned, they persevered. Um, and they, they came up with big plays this week, Paul. Big plays. And something that, that's been missing with the Giants for a long time. Multiple big plays in the game. And Kyler Fackrell, another big play last week in the Dallas game and this week uh, forces the fumble. And then Crowder picks it up and takes it in. So those are those are big plays. And then you got the big play out of 
Daniel Jones on a 49-yard run and a nice play to Slayton on a touchdown pass, which is a beautifully thrown pass. So those are the big plays we're looking for, and the Giants got to continue to do it this week. But, yeah, I agree with you, Paul. I thought it was executed good. The game plan was well well thought out of. And um, Riverboat Ron, <laughs> you know, we're going to get a lot of him in the future here. We're going to get a lot of those kind of things that he's going to do. But I like it. And the Giants, uh, uh, they came out on top, and I was just so excited for him. And I know that everybody was too. Jeff, a very generic question. And because you played in this league so long, I think it's appropriate to ask because you were on a number of teams that faced a number of different circumstances. How much credence do you put into the intangible value in finally getting over the hump and getting a victory like the Giants did after an 0-5 start? How much momentum psychologically and emotionally Mm -hmm. do you gain from that, if any, and how much can it help you going into this game? It's hugely important. I think that every player in that locker room came into work the next day with a smile on their face and with the confidence knowing that they can win. You know, when you're sitting at 0-5, you don't sometimes have that confidence that you can win. You've been close, and you're kind of always sitting there going, when is it going to happen for us? But that win, and you know, it just cures a lot of things. And one thing that it builds is confidence. And so this team will take that confidence in two ways. Number one, they got a short week, so they can't rest on their laurels from the win last week and go, they got to play Thursday night, so they got to get going, right? So they don't get to think about it all that long. That's a good thing because now uh, you're just, you know, it was so close to you, and now you're going to kind of take it into up with the Eagles this week. It's so important, and I tell you, it does make a difference, Paul. Guys are walking around with their chest out. They feel better. Everybody thinks they look better. Uh, you know, the scale's lighter. Everything is good. <laughs> Everything is good. Now you just got to go on back and, and start preparing for the next week. And I think that Joe Judge puts everything in perspective for these players. He's not a rah-rah guy. You know what I mean? As far as getting too excited about a loss and too excited about a win. And that's going to carry over to his players. And um, I think it, it's, it's a good thing. And I, you, know, you know the building. You've been around the building long enough to know, Paul, that when the, win, when the team wins, it's a, a joyous feeling in there. And when they lose, it's, it's a grim feeling. And so I'm, just, I'm sure they're all excited about being in that building this week. Well, you know Joe Judge, as every good head coach will do, is insisting that he takes it one game at a time, and the Giants are looking to go 1-0 and on Thursday in Philly. But we also are smart enough to understand that the players are well aware of what's going on around them. And after Dallas got whacked by the Arizona Cardinals last night, that leaves only one team in this four-team division with two victories, and that is the Dallas Cowboys, who beat the Giants a week and a half ago. Jeff, look, I don't care how much people want to mock the NFC East. The reality is there's only one team with two wins and three teams with one win apiece. It would be foolish and negligent to ignore the fact that right now, as difficult as the start to the season has been, the Giants are smack in the middle of this division race. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, um, you know, as you saw, all of a sudden you start seeing these teams and the injuries that they're piling up and the way that they're playing. And remember now, the NFC East has had to play that NFC West division this year, and it's that's a tough start, right? So, um, you know, I don't see this trend continuing much longer with the way that this division is, is at right now. I don't see it. I see it getting better um, because I think the games are going to get a little bit easier, if you will. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, I think that, you know, you you got to have that focus just one game at a time. And, 
you know, you do have to at one point look at it, Paul, and say, okay, well, where, where are we at? Um, you just can't be put the blinders on. you got to understand that how important some of these games are, and uh, this is a good one against the Eagles. And, you know, I, I think that the Giants, if they, can, if they can continue to run the football and not make mistakes and, and get a little bit more success in the red zone, man, that red zone is the Achilles heel. Um, again, down there last week, it's just, you know, those field goals. I mean, at this pace, Graham Gano is going to have 65 field goals on the season, <laughs> you know, but I think that, you know, and, and by the way, he's a good one too. So he'll make 60 out of 65, I think, but you know, capitalize on those things. And one thing that the giants need to do is, is capitalize on the other team's mistakes and turn them into points. And before you know it, Paul, you could be sitting two and one in the division after Thursday night. And that would be pretty good. Pretty good considering how this season has started. Big Blue Kickoff Live is presented by New York Lottery. Get out there and play. You know, think of this, Jeff. Uh, you're right. Dallas is badly beaten up. Their offensive line is a Rubik's Cube right now. Mm-hmm. The Philadelphia Eagles are badly beaten up mm-hmm. at the skill positions and also on their offensive line. We've already seen the Washington Red Team come in here this past Sunday. Consider this. Three of the next four Giants games are in the NFC East. Right now, the Giants seem to be, over the last couple of weeks, a little bit towards the uptick. I think you would say the arrow is pointing in the right direction. Mm -hmm. If they can catch their rhythm now over this middle month of the season, with those division games on the schedule, this is the time to make hay. If they can get it done... In three of these next four weeks, there's the Tampa Bay game in the middle of it, a non-division game. But if they can make hay, just hypothetically, this is really where they could start sinking their teeth into the fact that the second half of the schedule may wind up meaning something very, very much. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, listen, if they could just think about, you know, well, they got three division games left, right? They got this one. Well, no, no, no. It's three out of four coming up in this well, month. That's what I meant. And then, that, then the Dallas game is at the end of the year. Yeah, no, that's what I meant. The next three, okay. three out of four. So those three, I mean, if you can get two to three, um, you know. Heck, you're sitting, why not get all three? Or all three. I know. I know. Um, all three would be four and one. So that's pretty good. And you beat up on your guys, gave them some losses, and then you go down the road. You know, I think, it, Go ahead, Jeff. I'm sorry. I, I just think that what's important to, to know about this team is that I believe the, it is the arrow is facing up. And I think that the more consistent that they get on both sides of the football, the better chance they're going to have to win some, against some of these weaker teams in our division. And I think that that's, that's the truth. However, they've got to clean up their mistakes on a daily basis, on a weekly basis in order to compete. And that's with turnovers and penalties. Okay, which has haunted this team continuously through the whole season. Put a stop to both of those and play better. You've got a real good chance to win. You really do. I mean, well, you, well, you know, Jeff. After the first month of the season, and you know, I'm I'm very much into that whole thing about it takes four games in to find out what yeah. you are, especially in especially this very this weird year. 2020, right? Mm-hmm. And what did I say? <laughs> Philosophically, the Giants have to approach it as being zero and zero. It's a 12 game season especially the way this division is sputtering along, and see if you can outrace the field in the remaining 12 games. So right now, psychologically, the Giants really need to look at this, that they're a one-and-one team. Instead of being, you know, a one-and-five team, they need to look at themselves as they're a one-and-one team. 
Now, I did see a computer mathematical computation that I believe it was out of the Bristol network the other day that said it looks as though there's a very, very real chance that 7-9 and nine is going to win the NFC East. I believe they put the number actually at 6.5 is going to win the division. So 7, let's just say, round it up. 7-9 and has got a real good chance of win, winning this division. Uh, you know, if you're going to win your division games and, mm-hmm. and go 4-2 and two in your division, then you've got to find three wins somewhere else. And I know the Giants are running out of time to get those games because they do have people like Seattle and Baltimore and Arizona on their schedule. Uh, But they also have the likes of Cleveland. And I'm not so sure that Cleveland is as good as some people think they are. They've got the Cincinnati Bengals on their schedule. And that's certainly a game uh, against a team that's had some ups and downs this year. Uh, You know, they're going to have to find a way to, to steal a game or two outside the division, provided they can take care of business in the East. I guess what I'm saying is, as crazy as it sounds, it may not be a total fantasy to think that they can be in this race come after Thanksgiving Day. Hey, it's listen, anything's possible. Um, but again, like I said before, it, and I think the team will never look at it that way, Paul, but we can. They can't. Yeah. And, they um, can't. But it, but it is fun to at least kind of – go through it and analyze it and see the, the practicality of it. And I believe that there is some practicality to it. But I, I feel like, like I said, I mean, I think this team is getting better and it's what we wanted. I've said it all along. All, I, I just want improvement on a weekly basis so that we can get to the end of the season and have some evaluation about Daniel Jones and some of these other players that we have to make decisions on. And the Giants, I think they're doing a good job at that. I mean, listen, I, I think there's competition at every level. I mean, we're looking at competition on the offensive line as we speak. So I feel like, you know, this is a Joe Judge thing and a Dave Gettleman thing. They got these young guys in here that are pushing these veterans, all these new linebackers where, uh, you know, this team is, is going in the right direction and we're just seeing improvement on a daily basis. That's all we want to see. And then, by the, by the way, if that happens, Paul, then the scenario you just ironed out is, a, is definitely achievable. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, it's 201-939-4513 if you'd like to get a hold of us. We will start with line three because Len from Columbia was trying to get in at the end of the show yesterday, and I think we were unable to to get to him. We ran out of time. So, Len, you're going to be first up today. Hello. Hey, hey, Paul and and, uh, Jeff, thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah, I was hanging on for a while yesterday, and then uh, the show came to an end. But those things happen. I, I get it. I mean, that's the way things go. Um, well, first of all, thinking positively, uh, supper tasted pretty good on Sunday night. That was nice. <laughs> that was nice to get a win. Nice to get a win. And you know, Jeff, not only is it a div- not only was it a division win, it was a division win at home. Mm, Man, yeah, you got to protect your you got to protect your home turf. Finally, and yeah. you know, particularly in the division, you know, you, if you're going to win division games, man, win the home ones. Sure, those are the ones you're supposed to win. So that good was point. good. That was uh, that was good. And uh, I wish I could have been in the stands, but uh, unfortunately, as you know, something else took over there. Um, you, you know, Paul, on, you, on your idea about efficiency and the Giants kind of hitting their stride a little bit, I I, I have this idea, and it's not terribly scientific, but I, w- I want to lay it out there for you guys. And, kind of of get your opinion. I think things run in fours, and it's not necessarily 
first quarter, second quarter, third quarter, fourth quarter of the season. Um, but I think a team hits maximum efficiency, and, and, it, and it lasts for about four weeks. It, it doesn't necessarily mean they're going to lose the fifth week, but they don't quite you, – you can't sustain it the whole year. And it seems to me it runs in fours. And at the opposite end of the spectrum, you know, you play badly for four years, running at very poor four, – uh, four weeks, excuse me – running at very poor efficiency. And, but it, it starts to turn around like it's happening with the Giants. And, and you, start to play, you start to play a little better. And, you know, maybe you don't win. I mean, the fifth week was Dallas and we lost the game, but we played a lot better. So what, what do you th- – how, how long do you think this max efficiency – Less. Of course, it depends on if you have good players or not. But I just kind of think four weeks is about a tipping point on how long you can go, Jeff. Do you have any opinion on that? Well, I think I, 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 not a lot, but I think that, I mean, four weeks, yeah. I mean, you know, it's funny, Len, the coaches, they go back four weeks and look at film. I mean, that's, that's the rotation of how they, they, you know, they go back and look at, at, at games. Yeah, so. yeah. You know, maybe that maybe that is the number four weeks. Yeah. You know? yeah. yeah See, Len, I, I, I don't I don't mean to poo-poo your theory, but I will say this: yeah. it's very important that you look at the individual matchups. You know, we say yeah. matchups make fights, and you know, I'm a real big one on that. I, I'm I yeah. am so much about unit matchups than I am about which team is better than the other team, and a lot of times. When you look at the individual matchups, you say to yourself, okay, well, this coming up matchup is just a bad matchup, and it has nothing to do with whether or not you're in a good four-game streak. You know what I'm saying? I mean, sometimes the schedule maker just hands you a bad deck, or for that matter, a good deck. In this particular case, I have to say something. Even though they've lost 20 of 24 to the Eagles since 2008, and I'm going to repeat that again a couple of times because – People need to understand this hex is very strong. Uh, I don't know that you could pick a better time to face Philadelphia than with their depleted roster right now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Timing can be everything. um, You know, I'm I'm sorry you keep reminding me, Paul. (laughs) Well, (laughs) you know what? I'm gonna. I'm not. I won't say it the rest of the day. Okay, Len. (laughs) We'll let it go. Yeah, I got you. I got. But let me, let me say one other thing about this matchup on Thursday night, and I feel pretty good about it, again, because I feel like we're on the uptick, and I think, like, the quicker we play this game, the better. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I want to play again. These guys are, you know, probably, like Jeff said, you know, feeling pretty good about each other. So I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to, to, to a Thursday night game because I think we're, we're kind of on the rise a little bit. But, you know, to me, guys, the big, the big difference on Thursday night is, is, is going to be at quarterback. You, you know, Wentz... Um, you know, he makes plays. Uh, I mean, you know, look at him on Sunday. I mean, the guy makes plays. Um, he brings them back. He'll win games. It's, it's time for us to start to see Daniel doing that. I want to see Daniel outplay Wentz on Thursday night. And I think that'll make the big difference. Both teams are, you know, beat up a little bit, and I know the Eagles especially so. But, you know, they got Wentz at quarterback, a veteran He's won games. He wins games. Um, Daniel, Daniel has got to progress and get better and help us win this 
game on Thursday night. That's the way I see the Eagles thing. Hey, can I ask you a couple? Oh, well, Jeff, I wanted to mention one thing. You one more, one more, Len. I got to get to other people. Okay, here. okay, yeah, yeah. Just want I want to get to Jeff on this. Uh, one, you, you, you had a one-liner earlier about uh, competition along the offensive line. And, yes, I believe that that indeed is the case. But you know what? I keep thinking, you know, everybody's saying, well, you know, Perth's got to go play left tackle. If if we come out of this thing with two NFL – if we come out of this draft with two NFL tackles, <laughs> I, I don't care what side they play. I just want NFL tackles. Well, listen, I think – Okay. I, hey, I, hey, thanks, yeah. guy. Hey, thanks for taking my call. You're welcome. All right, thank you so much, Len. Well, listen, I, I, I think that the intent – by drafting both those guys was what Len said, that you want two starting tackles, whether they're right, left, you know, right and left, both left, I don't know. But you're not going to get them unless they get playing time. And Joe Judge has, has said that we'll bring everybody to the game, everybody's going to play. So we will find out. Um, but competition is good, Paul. It's good. It's, it's, it's good for everyone, um, especially the young guys, because they have to learn how to compete at this level where when they were in college, they competed, but, you know, it wasn't on the level that it is here today. You've got guys across from you and guys that are in the same meeting room as you, just as talented. So, and I also want to tell you one thing, is that in this league, everybody has to prove themselves every single day, every single week, and every single year. I will tell you that after playing in this league for 22 seasons. You don't just show up and be handed a job. You have to prove that, you, that the job is yours on a daily basis. And I, I, encourage, I encourage competition at every single position on this team at this point. Well, I the do. Giants have made it very clear, especially with this coaching staff, more so than recent ones, that you need to earn those snaps. That's right. And you, and you don't get to keep them with a get-out-of-jail-free card. You have to continue to earn them and maybe work twice as hard once you get on the field on Sunday to make sure that you don't come out of the lineup. That's right. And you know what? That get out of jail car free, it get out of jail card for free is not your draft order. Okay. Correct. Not That's, with Joe Judge, it's not. No. No, there aren't any of those. There, you know, you can you get to pass go and <laughs> get a hundred bucks, but you know, there's no get out of jail free cards in this game. So play. Very good. All right, folks. Thanks for, uh, again, listening. It's Big Blue Kickoff Live. Giant fans get a New York Giants checking account from Investors Bank with a Giants-branded debit card, security features, and discounts at the Giants online shop. You can earn up to $250 when you open an account at InvestorsBank.com slash Giants. Member FDIC, 201-939-4513 is our phone number. We go back to the phones. Line one is Jamal in Dallas. Hello. What's going on, folks? Appreciate taking my call. Yes, sir. So, hey, um, how about them Cowboys, right? <laughs> hey, we're, 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 back in a, we're back in a mix of things, man. Um, I know Lance hates to hear that about talking about us being the mix, but isn't the key to win your division? Right, and we're and we're right in the thick of things to be able to do this if we take care of business Thursday night, right? And I like what y'all said about us being in the in the uh, uptick. I would say the right trajectory, but you know we're go- we're heading in the right direction. I would like to say, I just need our offense to to help us out a little bit more, either in the red zone or wherever it is. But we need to score more points and not and not rely on our kicker so much. So I want to ask. I mean, I know a lot of things have changed all season, stuff like that, but to me. Well, Daniel Jones was high, a turnover last year as a rookie. 
I felt like he threw the he threw the ball more down the field than this year. And I want to know what has Garrett changed for us to limit. That? I know it's the O line. I I know, but there's also there's three step drops that you can do to get the ball out deep. So I don't understand why we're not getting the ball down downfield like we were last year under Shermer. Well, part of it is the fact that with the reconstructed offensive line. You could not automatically know that he was going to get the time he needed to either pick out that receiver downfield or to allow the route to develop and give the receiver a chance to do what he's got to do to beat his guy. That was certainly part of it. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And, and you know, you look at a team now that's a month and a half in. And to be honest with you, Jamal, and, and I want to be very clear about this because I don't think enough of people – gave this part of the equation consideration. You're talking about a team that had new head coach, new offensive coordinator, new system, rebuilt offensive line, second-year quarterback, and you throw into that mix the loss of Saquon Barkley, a potential 2,000-yard all-purpose running back, and in the same game, you take away Sterling Shepard, who is one of the better slot receivers in the conference, if not the league. So now let, let's just think about exactly the kind of mountain that this offense has had to climb over the last month. Is it any wonder that as they were trying to battle all of the other outside factors that were inherent in a new team and, or a new system in a pandemic when they lose two of their most key players, is it any wonder that the offense has been grounded in the mud? It really shouldn't no, surprise no, no. anybody. And now, no, it's, no, you know, Shepard right. coming back has got to help, and the line playing better has got to help. The running game getting better with uh, Devontae Freeman has got to help. And at the same time, you also believe now Daniel Jones is also going to start coming along as well. Look, I will tell you one thing about this New York Giants team, and I believe this strongly. You're entitled to disagree if you like, but I think you'll agree. This Giants team is going to be a much better team in the second half of the season than it is in the first half of the season just by its maturity, its growth, its meshing, and its gelling process. The problem is how deep is that hole going to be that they have to climb out of and what are the surroundings going to do to affect their circumstances? Right. I just want to make sure, is is Daniel Jones developing in the right aspect or is he – is he, or is he regressing and we're just not realizing because all these holes? That's the only concern I have um, with, with, with the offense instead. I think the O-line is going to get to – is meshing somewhat. I think they're getting better week by week. I like Devontae Freeman as a pickup. Um, I think that was an extraordinary pickup to get. And our defense, man, um, Mr. Irrelevant, oh, my gosh. I mean, the, <laughs> the last pick of the draft to be able to make the plays that he's making and to play on the field like that, that's amazing. You know, so so I'm, I'm I'm definitely proud of our defense and what our defense is doing. I know our defense is helping us out a lot. Um, I just hope the offense can can carry us over. I mean, I'm happy we got a win yesterday. I mean, on Sunday, but you know the way we won, eh, you know, you, you got to accept the W, like you said. But I, I you know, I, I'm I'm wiping the sweat off my head. You know what I mean? Like we got away with one, but we'll take it, right? And then watching the game yesterday, uh, seeing the Cowboys going, I was like, hey. We're back at thicker things. Now we need to pick this up, and now we need to all be moving on the same accord, and so we can so we can really make a, a, a run for it towards the end. Seven and nine, I take it. <laughs> I didn't expect us to win six games. Sign I up. Six, 
I had a six and ten for the season. So if we can make a run in our division, and uh, and, and get a and get a win somewhere, still a win. Hey, that's that's great for a first year coach and, and, and all that. I just want to make sure we're not getting hindered from the OC that was in Dallas last year. That's my biggest concern. I don't think that's an issue, Jabal. Yeah. I really don't. And we we got to run, but I appreciate your call. Please try again, Paul. The other thing too that people need to understand a couple of things. I think you hit hit some good points. Also, is that um, two things in my mind. It's a lot about coverage. A lot about what these teams are going to do to Daniel Jones. Okay. Um, the other one is the offensive line and their protection. Okay. You know that Daniel Jones has, gets a lot of pressure every single week. One of the top pressured quarterbacks in the National Football League, which then the defense can dictate that with that type of pressure, what type of balls he's going to throw. And the other one is that where is the big play receiver? Now, I'm not saying that Darius Slayton is not one of those guys, but he's not at that elite level of, of what other teams have, like a CeeDee Lamb or some of these other really big-time players that they, that they have a threat over the top. So I think if, you, if the offensive line can get a little bit more protection and, and Daniel Jones didn't see as much pressure – You'd, be having, you'd have a better chance of throwing the ball down the field. Jason Garrett's offense is designed, you know it. They like to throw the vertical the routes, but they just haven't had a chance to do it this year with, with what's been happening, especially with, with the elimination of Saquon Barkley. That, that, you know, that hurt them a lot. They had to come back and basically reinvent the, the whole system and then start to install it, and I think that Freeman's been a great pickup. And as long as the, the running game continues to flourish – then that play action in the passing vertical game will pick up a little bit too, especially with Evan Ingram and Caden Smith. Well, let me ask you something, Jeff. As you look at this team, we all thought that going in, the offense would be the stronger part of the team and the defense would be the part that would have to catch up, right? Yes. The fact that right now the defense has accelerated its development and is ahead of the offense is actually a a good thing, isn't it? Yeah, well, listen – Let's talk about this in the, in the context of maybe being a full preseason and, you know, the whole thing. Like, there's no COVID, and this is where – isn't it usually the case where at the beginning the offense is usually a little behind with the new system and the defense is a little bit – defense, don't get me wrong, none of these are easy to play. But I feel like conceptually the defense gets a little bit of a, a pass as far as it, it's not as difficult to – to play as the, as an offense, it takes longer to get that cohesiveness. Mm-hmm. So do you agree with me? So I, I feel like eventually they will even out a little bit, but it's taken the offense a little bit longer. It has. But so, look, look at the last two weeks. I mean, you're seeing improvement in, in, in a lot of the different areas of this offense um, with exception to red zone production and third downs. But, you know, the Giants right. were good on third down this week. Um and so I think that, yeah, it's, it, you're getting there. And I really believe that, and it may not be this week, but I, I agree with you. I think the second half of the season, you're going to see a lot more consistency. I think you're going to, the Giants offense is going to come out of these games where they're in the games, they're winning some of them, but if even the ones that they lose, they're still putting up points. And I think that just three things, Paul, and I know I'm on a rant here. It's That's the, all right. It's the red zone, okay? It's the... The Giants are not a, you know, their penalties are not that bad. I mean, they've had some penalties in games where they've had four and five penalties. Oh, they've been bad Let's, spots. They've been That's what bad it's been. spots. That's the problem. That's the problem. Okay. And then the turnovers. So you, you, you kind of, you know, nip those things in the bud and get a little bit better and better each time in those, in those areas. You're going to win some games. You don't turn the ball over, you'll win some games. If you can get to be, you know, at least 50% in the red zone, maybe 75, you got a chance, right? And if you don't make crucial penalties 
in situations that cost you games, you're going to win some games. So, and you, you think those are kind of like, you would think those are kind of easy to do, right? I mean, <laughs> but they're evidently they're not. Yeah, work I on hear them. you. I hear you. By the way, uh, you know, I'd, again, I don't know if Sterling Shepard is going to play or not on Thursday. That is up in the air as it stands. But getting him back, and I and I know he's only played two full 16-game seasons in his first five years in the league. This is his fifth year as an NFL player. I understand that. He has been nicked up. He has been in uh, out of the lineup. But the fact remains, he's a terrific route runner out of the slot. And that is a very, very, very important position on the field when you're trying to convert third downs. And to suggest that, you know, that's not relevant in terms of the Giants' third down difficulties over the past month would be foolish and ignorant, to be honest with you. You're right. And guess what? If they can get Shepard back and have Golden Tate and both of those guys on the field on third down, that gives you a lot more opportunities. But if you're one third down receiver, you know is Golden Tate. And by the way, have you seen what he's done lately? He he hasn't been targeted. They're not using him. And it's probably because teams are isolating him on third downs. So if you have two guys that are really good at that, then two's better than one. No doubt. Big Blue Kickoff Live is presented by New York Lottery. Get out there and play. 201-939-4513. We go to line two. Rick is in Tampa, Florida. Hello. You're mm. next on the show. Hey. hey. What's hey. up, Paul? What's up, Jeff? Yeah, how are you? Morning. How are you doing today? Yeah, good. All right. Good. Good. I'm going to disagree with you in a second, Jeff, on what you just said because I do want to bring up Tate. But, um, yeah, I mean, how exciting to have a game Thursday that is uh, – very, very important. Um, yeah, I know, Paul, you've said it before, and uh, I agree with you that the first four games of the season were going to be like a preseason game, and they were out of our division, which was important. And, uh, you know, the, getting the win last week is, is now playing all division games is going to be very important. But, I mean, we've heard this those words before, playing a team decimated by injuries. Yeah, <laughs> see the San Francisco 49ers. Yeah. Yeah. I know all about right. it, Rick. I'm not falling into that right. trap again. I'm simply saying okay. if you're going to you face Philadelphia, it, yes. this is probably yeah. a better week to do the it than not. That's all. Yes, I agree with you. I agree with you. I'm kidding around, but, yes, you've heard that before. Uh, so, yes, um, uh, regarding uh, Tate, I, I am uh, – more concerned about his play of late um, mm-hmm. that he's just not he's just not getting away he's, uh, separation's not there I think there's something I think he I I'm, I'm saying I think he may just be, just be be done in a sense so I'm hoping that's not the case but I've uh, I uh, hopefully with Shepard who yes is a great slot receiver will help him get uh, get some breakaway because I've really not seen uh, from him and uh, I'm a little concerned about that. So that uh, disagree with you on that one, and uh, I do want to ask you two questions, Paul. Um, and do you think would to give me two keys to the game on offense and defense? And offense, I mean offensive player or a defensive player, not Daniel Jones, other than him. And um, a trade down the deadline comes up. Any, I know I've heard some rumblings uh, regarding trading uh, uh, Ingram. Uh, I heard that, and I mean, I'm, I listen. This guy gets hurt a lot. He's I never lived up to his potential yet, and all that stuff. You think that would ever happen? And um, with the keys of the game, and uh, because I'm telling you, a win here in this division could could do wonders for this town and for our team. 
and uh, confidence and everything. And so uh, uh, it's going to be a great game. And I'm just curious, who do you think, uh, offensively and defensively, you think will have a big uh, a key to have the biggest impact? And uh, I'm hoping Darnay Holmes. I, I didn't see. Did I miss it? How did he play this weekend? I had to work, so I go. He had a few snaps, so. and he also uh, yeah. had had uh, neck uh, sore neck. So Holmes, oh, okay. I would think, is, is going to be limited this week, although I really I haven't seen anything coming out of today's practice session yet, so I, I really don't want to speculate. But, yeah, he, okay. he, was, uh, he was banged up a bit. Okay, yeah, so two of your, your, uh, your key to the game on offense and defense for me, and I'll hang up and listen. Keep yeah, up the good work, and I'll call Friday, and we'll see. And we'll see. All right, Rick, <laughs> be well. Jeff, I'll let you start. Who, who's your key on offense and on defense this week? Well, I think – <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, I'll start on defense. I, I think it's uh, you know listen. I think stopping the running game and then and then getting to Wentz and pressuring him. That offensive line is you know they're they are so decimated with injuries. And you talk about how difficult it is to to play together and and, and get this offense going when you have injuries at that at those positions. Uh, if you can exploit the running game and then get Carson Wentz into throwing the football, he he will turn it over for you. So that to me is just stop stop the run and then get pressure on him. And offensively for the Giants, it's continue to run, continue to run your football, run the football and and develop into some play action and and get some big plays again. So uh, their defense is good. They put pressure on the quarterback. They've sat, they have 18 sacks on the season. So they are they will get after you. Um, and you got to have another good, solid, solid day of protection. Listen, the Giants last week only gave up one sack to a team that had, had, was averaging three a game. And so if they continue to play like that, they got a chance to win. And I think the biggest one collectively as a team is, is good, is smart football. Don't beat yourself. And I mean that by critical penalties. And the turnovers are going to happen. It's just the way it is with this team. But don't, don't compound it by having dumb penalties that cost you the games too. Well, I'm going to I'm going to kind of go in a little bit of a different way because sure. for me it's all about making sure that Wentz stays in the pocket. Uh he's given the Giants most trouble and a lot of other teams a lot of trouble when he extends the plays with his legs, okay? And when the Giants have gotten burned by him in some of his big plays, it's always been because they did not maintain their rushing lanes. And somehow some way he escaped the pocket and then either made a big play on the run uh, by, by throwing it downfield and converting like a third and 17, mm-hmm. or he ran for 12 yards on third and 11. Yeah. So for me, it's, it's not so much a player on defense. I just want one thing from the Giants, if you're going to ask me for a key defensively, and that is make sure that Wentz is contained in the pocket because the way he's throwing the ball inconsistently and giving up interception type of throws, mm-hmm. that's what you want out of him. You don't want him to have the, have his legs impact this game. Well, those and, edge and, rushers and I, are going to have think to be Philly, Well, and I don't think Philly's got enough of other weapons right now at the moment that they can they can win that matchup straight up unless Wentz's legs perform some magic. That's yeah. my take on the defense. Offensively, I I don't think there's any doubt in my mind. I really think this is a week that they need Devontae Freeman to get his legs back. Yep. Because he has been slowly weaned into the lineup, and in the last two weeks we've seen him now get, what, 15 or so carries and run for 60-something yards apiece. That's nice. They need more out of him now. They need him to say, hey, 
it's time for you to now become a really, really important threat, not just a nice piece to the puzzle. I'd like to see Freeman hopefully carry the ball 22, 23 times and rush for at least 85, 90 yards because that then keeps not only the Eagles' pass rush honest and keeps their defense honest, but it also allows Daniel Jones to execute the play-action pass. And I think that is very, very important. They will be, they can be patient, and they can keep Philly's defense off their stride if Freeman is chunking out the yardage. I need to see vintage Devontae Freeman this week. That would be really sweet for me. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. You know, and on the defensive side, the, those, those edge rushers for the Giants are going to have to be very disciplined. And we hear Carl Banks talk about it. He'll talk about it this week because I think you – you hit the nail on the head with Wentz and him being as mobile as he is. Got to be disciplined and get some push up the middle, and that's how those sacks come. You know, if they can keep him in that pocket by being disciplined, you know, and take one for the team. Make sure that your rush lane, you're up the field vertically. You don't come inside and give him that outside area to run. Um, and then that's just as good as a sack or a pressure, and then let those guys in, from the interior get some pressure. And by the way, those guys are coming. They've been playing well this, this year. And they're doing good. And I think that uh, Leo, as they call him, uh, Williams, that guy, he had a great game last week. And he is coming on. He is coming on. They're moving him around. He was playing some stand-up linebacker last week. So they are going to move him around, as Patrick Graham has always said. Big Blue Kickoff Live is presented by New York Lottery. Get out there and play. We go back to the phone lines, and we will go to line two. It's Mike from Brooklyn. You're next on the program. Hello. Hi, Mike. Hey, Paul. Jeff, how you doing, Paul? Hi. Um, a couple of quick points. Uh, I I like what Joe Judge is doing with the insertion of Matt Pert into the um, into the lineup. It's unconventional because all we t- all we think about when we talk about offensive line is continuity, continuity, continuity. But I like the fact that these guys are getting live snaps in NFL games. I mean, I think it's great. Um, another point: Daniel Jones cannot be the leading rusher. Every game, uh, he you know I love the forty nine yard run, but he but he took a couple of whacks mm-hmm. when he uh, you know in, in that game and he, you know going head first instead of sliding. I'm kind of concerned that he you know, keeps doing this. He's not going to last the season. Uh, another point. The last point. Thank you, Ron Rivera, Riverboat Ron, for going for two because I don't understand that at all. If he kicks the extra point. With the momentum that that offense had, say they get the um, uh, the first possession of of overtime, go down, score a touchdown. I they would have been in first place today with a two and zero division record. Mike, Mike, uh, did you listen to the show yesterday? I, you know what, I didn't get to listen to it. Okay, here's here's the point. Thirty six seconds left, right? Rivera knows Graham Gano from his days in Carolina. In fact, he remembers when Gano hit a 60-plus-yard field goal on the final snap to beat the Giants a couple of years back. Remember? Mm-hmm. So uh, here, yeah. here's, here's what I'm thinking. Rivera's got in his mind, whether or not he wants to admit it, and I didn't, I didn't listen to all of his postgame comments. He may have been thinking in his mind, okay, listen, 30-something seconds left. Um, kick off the ball to the Giants. We'll trick, kick it out of the end zone. We'll give them the touchback. They got it at the 23. To be perfectly frank with you, all they've got to do from the 25-yard line, they've got to get to maybe the 
40, maybe 45. And that's not a long way to go in 30-something seconds. That's maybe two pass plays. And then Graham Gano maybe beats Ron Rivera with a 60-yard field goal. So what I'm saying is you're thinking automatically they get the one-point extra point, and he's going in overtime tied, and he's taking his chances on a coin flip. And I'm telling you, Ron Rivera in the back of his head is thinking, no, 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 no. Gano's got a chance to beat me. He's one of those robo-kickers who can boom a 60-plus yarder. I'm not giving him the chance. Do you think that was a smart call? I absolutely think he made the right call. Really? I, absolutely. You know, and besides, I, the Giants had just let them go, what, 70-something yards mm-hmm. on, on a touchdown? You know they didn't want them to score, but somehow the Redskins forced the ball down the field, and they went all the way in for the touchdown. Why would he think that the Giants' defense is going to stop him inside the five at that point? He's got to be thinking, my offense is on a roll. They're feeling good about themselves. The Giants' defense is sucking wind. They just got deflated, giving up a touchdown. I'm going to punch him in the face and finish him right here. He, he, he absolutely made the right call. Okay, well, I, I, uh, I understand your point. Um, the only, what I was thinking was if, if um, the way the Giants' offense was running – I, I I didn't have much confidence that they were going to get into field goal range. So I mean, it doesn't take much know. these days, okay? With these yeah. kickers, it doesn't take much to kick a field goal. Yeah, and Gano's uh, proved that he is a sure, you know, top kicker. sure. Yeah, Look, okay. it's probably fifty-fifty. You'll probably get fifty percent of the people who think he made the right call, and fifty percent who would say no. So I'm not going to tell you that you're wrong to feel as you do. But what I will say is I'm, I'm on the 50% that if I'm in his shoes, I can absolutely justify going for the two. Well, I appreciate you uh, pointing that out because I, I just I, I just don't understand. I, I mean, I understand football. I understand why he did it. But I just, with the way this division right now is sitting. <laughs> I hear I you, mean, let, let me I, say this. You're a Giants fan. How many times did you, have you seen them? Give up a last-minute drive and lose on a on a buzzer-beating field goal in the last three or four years. How many uh, times has that like, happened? Yeah. Uh, Jake Elliott, give Graham Gano. All I mean, right, many... the list is long. Exactly, yeah. and maybe because I've seen it happen so many times in the last few years that I'm very much aware of that line of thinking. No, I, I appreciate it, hey, guys. Great job, great uh, great show. Thanks a lot. You're Thank welcome. you, Mike. Appreciate the call. 201-939-4513. Looks like uh, Hugo is on line three. You're next on the show. Hello. Uh, good afternoon, guys. Hello. Hey, uh, you, you were mentioning uh, Devontae Freeman. I, I really like Devontae Freeman's running style because, you know, you don't get those losses with him, it seems. Uh, mm-hmm. he, he's constantly moving forward. And he's I gritty. like that kind of back because you know, it, keeps, it keeps the offense on pace. And he, and he seems to generate a fair amount of power, too. Um, so I, I, I do like him quite a bit and wish we could keep him around for a, a little bit longer and compliment Barkley down the road. But um, that, that, that's for down the road. Uh, the, the reason I really called is, you know, it seems like um, our special teams have been very good. Um, you know, when I look at our defense, I, uh, I see a lot of the elements that uh, you think about when you – when you watch the New England Patriots, smart players, smart schemes that are adaptive. And you know, we, we're getting a, a fair amount of sacks, 
and a lot of that is being schemed up and coached up. So uh, I, I do see some of the uh, elements of, of, of New England in, in our defense. You know, Patrick Graham has a New England background, along with Judge. The, the thing that's really surprised me this year schematically, and I take your point about challenges in execution given what's gone on in the offseason and the loss of Sterling Shepard and so on, but, but schematically, when I look at the offense, I, I, it doesn't, at least to my untrained eye, it doesn't seem like it's a New England-style you know, offense. And, you know, New England never really had star offensive linemen, but what they had was a very precise passing scheme that involved the backs, slot receivers, whether it was Welker or Edelman or, you know, they never really had They, they also had the greatest players. quarterback of all time, though. Well, well, uh, <laughs> I mean, it, you know, that makes a difference. No, 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 clearly, clearly. But, you know, at least in my mind, uh, coming into the season, I, I thought of uh, Daniel Jones as a guy who could develop into a quarterback uh, like Brady, you know, smart, hardworking guy, driven guy, tall in the pocket, you know, good release, all, all those elements that, um, you know, you would try to emulate in, in an offense. I, you know, maybe the coaches have looked at it and sort of said, we don't have the players to run that scheme. But it always seemed like New England could run the scheme, you know, without the most talented players. I mean, they did have uh, Gronkowski, which is, you know, uh, a terrific two-way tight end, and maybe we're lacking that even though Ingram's a weapon, supposedly a weapon in the passing game. So, uh, so the question to you guys is, I mean, is the schematically, is this what you guys were expecting from the offense? coming into the year well it's not a new england offense because jason garrett you know coming from dallas he's going to bring all the principles and philosophies of his off his offense that he brought from there um i don't think that you know the thing to joe judge is going to go to jason and say i want you to change your offense to what i think it should be um so you know the similarities there i don't think are there i think what what I believe this offense was going to be, and we we mentioned this a few minutes ago, is that we thought it would be a little bit more prolific. Um, there would be more big plays made in the passing game. But the hindrance there has been with that offensive line and protection and pressure that Daniel Jones has gotten. So I think until you button that up, we're not going to really see the full complement of the Jason Garrett offense until we get all those things corrected. Yeah. They, they've already Wait, I, made an adjustment the last couple of weeks because the outside zone running scheme that they were using in Dallas, which Colombo and Garrett were from, uh, the Giants the last couple of weeks now, they've been running a lot more power-style stuff mm-hmm. between the tackles. And, and I think Freeman. Devontae Freeman's a big mm-hmm. part of that. No question. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, and, and, you know, I, I think unlike maybe some other coaching staff we've had in the recent past, you know, the, the fact that this coaching staff uh, adjusts and they mean it when they say, hey, we're going to look at what our players do well and we're going to scheme up around that. Oh, yeah, 100%. Uh, the adaptability. Is, I, you yeah. know, yeah. yeah. No, that's, that's definitely a positive. You know, you know maybe it comes down, and, and maybe the, I should have framed the question differently, which is, you know, did, then did you, given that Judge hired Patrick Graham as his defensive coordinator and they have a, you know, jointly have a New England background, is it curious that we hired so uh, Jason Garrett as uh, offensive coordinator. I know he's, you know, judge is a rookie head coach, and maybe you want people with head coaching experience on the staff. But just schematically, that you know, it doesn't seem like that's a scheme that a judge was that familiar with, or you know, he 
he grew up under the uh, Josh McDaniel, uh, I guess Bill O'Brien for a while, scheme of New England. Well, let's put it this way. I don't think Joe Judge necessarily wants to make the Giants Patriots South. I think Mm -hmm. what what he did want to do when he hired Coach Graham was a guy he worked with, a guy he trusts, a guy who he really has a tremendous amount of regard for. And I do think that a lot of the Patriots stuff you are seeing on that side of the ball. I don't think there's any doubt about that. There are a lot of similarities there. But I don't think Joe Judge necessarily wanted to be an entirely copycat team. And maybe he purposely decided to go outside of the Patriots realm in, in selecting an offensive coordinator because he did, you know, too many of these Belichick disciples tried to be copycat guys, and it didn't work so well for them, did it? Mm-hmm. So maybe he yeah. purposely decided on offense, I really would like to see something different. And, and that might have been part of his thinking. I don't know that anybody's actually asked him that question. You go, we got to run because I want to get Jimmy in, okay? Yeah. Appreciate yeah, it. thank you. Thank you so much. Jimmy from Rose Hill is on line one. You're next and finally on the on the program. Hey, Paulie, how are you? Okay, how are you? Good. Jeff, same to you. How are you? Good? Very, very good, Paulie. Thank you. All right, listen, uh, Paulie, I'm, I, I don't want to take it. It's not reason why I'm calling, but it's far be it for me to take issue with another Fordham alum, but I'm really struggling trying to understand your two-point conversion uh, uh, rationale, because whether he kicked the extra point or whether he went for two and was successful, the idea of perhaps losing the game to Gano was still there. So it's either 20-20 and they, they drive to the 45 and he kicks a last-second field goal to beat them 23-20, or the same thing happens and he beats them 23-21. So I'm just having a hard time understanding right. whether well, whether then, really that entered into Rivera's mind at all. I, I'm having a hard time with that one. Oh, but no, anyway. no, no, no. Here's what I'm saying. Because right. there's a premise that, that people have been throwing at me saying, oh, uh, you take the one point and you're going to overtime. That, 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 that's it. The game's ending. You're going to overtime. It's a tie game. And the game, the game is over. You're going, you're going to the coin flip in overtime. That's the premise that people have presented. I'm simply saying, don't be so quick to think that that's the case. That's all. That's the only reason I bring up Gano because you got to understand there was time left on the clock, and the Giants have an opportunity with Graham Gano to maybe kick a very, very long field goal. So to think that automatically take the one point because you're going overtime, to me that's an assumption you cannot make. That's the only reason I bring that up. All right. Okay. Fair enough. So I, I, didn't, I didn't I didn't quite understand you there, but anyway. That, that's all. That, um, it's a it's a part of the argument. It's not it's not the the entire argument, but it's just a small part of it the, that I don't think you can you can you can ignore the fact that there was still time for the Giants on the clock. And that's the whole premise. That's, that's the, the whole premise. Thing. If, if 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 there was no time on the clock, then this argument wouldn't be it is what it is. But right. if there's right. time on the clock. You're still saying to yourself, I still don't trust Gano that this offense is, I think they're going to go down and have, he has a chance to kick it because there was 30 seconds left on the clock. To me, it's a big right. difference if there's only three seconds left. Sure. It's a different then, conversation. Then it's a totally different conversation because right. then the Gano factor does not come into play. Yeah, but listen, I, bottom factor, line, Gano, bottom line, he wanted right, to win. Not, he wanted not, to win. Not so much winning or losing the game, but rather the Gano factor entering into the overtime discussion. I, I get it. I get it. Just a, okay, you know, just I'm glad quick... I could help. See, the Fordham education helped. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
just quickly, you know, guys, I've been around. I've, I've seen a lot, a lot of football. First Giant game when I was nine in 1959. Uh, season ticket holders since 62. It's been, you know, a long time. So I've, what's been going on lately the last couple of years, I've tried to, I've tried to maybe take a 30,000-foot view of things. And, and what I'm looking at with the Giants and what I'm seeing is um, evidence of a team that is well-coached. A team, and I, I've seen a lot of good coaches, and I've seen a lot of bad coaches. I've been fortunate at, at my time at Fordham to be associated with two of their most successful guys who have gone on to um, you know, the height of their profession in the college ball, Clawson down at, at, down at uh, Wake Forest, yep. my good friend Moorhead, who's now. And, yep. and what, I'm, what I'm seeing with the Giants is what I saw with those guys. They took over bad programs. Clawson's first year, they were 0-11. And I remember sitting in the stands with my buddy, and I said, you know what? I said, this is a well-coached team. How can you say that, Jim? You know, they, they haven't won a game. They're a well-coached team. They're not killing themselves. They get people on and off the field properly. And, uh, you know, they don't, it's not like a, a fire drill going on out there. And what, I, what I've noticed with, with judges, I think what these good coaches do is they, they evaluate their, their teams, and they know what they can do. You know, the old expression, you put your guys in positions to win. He used the word after the game the other day, grimy. So sometimes you have these grimy games. I think for all the reasons you guys have cited, new you know, pandemic, no practices, no preseason, new scheme, etc. I think what he's done is he's evaluated right now and he says, well, our best opportunity to win games is going to be with our special teams and with our defense. And, and then we're going to try to run the ball. And if we have, if we have to win grimy, that's how we're that's how we're going to win, and and the team will evolve over time, and you'll start seeing the offense. I think, as, as Jeff said earlier, they're they're going to start getting better. But up until this point, I'm extremely pleased with what I've seen. I know it's all about wins and losses, but if but if you you've got some experience and you've watched how good teams and how they develop and how they come together, I am uh, I'm over the moon. I really think they've got they've got the right guys in charge. And, 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 you know, I'm, I'm optimistic because I really think at the bottom line, they are just a, they're a sound, well-coached team, and I have no doubt that, that the things that have to be cleaned up will be cleaned up, and they keep adding some players. I think the future looks good. One, one final thing, I know you guys are up against it. I think you guys were talking about it after the Dallas game. There was all that noise about, well, they've got to learn how to win and plays at the end of the game. And you guys were talking about how there were plays in the first quarter and the second quarter that can make a difference. And what I'm, what I'm thinking about that people aren't talking too much about that could have bit them when they got that rough and they, the punter call. Then they had mm -hmm. a fourth. That Washington went for it on fourth down. Yep. Williams was, was, in a, was within a, a hair of sacking him. If he sacks him, they don't get that touchdown at the end of the half. And then what happens at the end of the game, it's moot. It doesn't matter. What, what Washington did. So, I, so you guys spot on. You guys nailed that, talked about that, and, and that's something I think too many people tend to lose sight of. They focus on the last you know, two minutes and what goes on, and it's, it's, a, it's not a, Joe Judge. a 60-minute game. <laughs> Joe that, Judge always says that. It's all 60 minutes. It's not just the final minute. Thank exactly. you, Jimmy. Appreciate it. Call us back again. One final thought before we go, Jeff. And that is, you know, the Giants have had a lot of self-inflicted wounds, but I think those are all growing pains and and wounds that have been 
uh, have surfaced because the team had matured or gelled to, to where they need to be. And that's a process that has to occur naturally. And unfortunately, you know, nobody has patience. The one loss record doesn't have patience. And that's why you go through some of these struggles. Yep. And you got to button them up quickly because if they fester and they continue to do it, you're just, you're going to get losses by losses by losses. So, you know, they, they are all correctable. That's the good thing about it. They are all correctable and they're learning, learning situations. Um, unfortunately, sometimes it takes a little bit too much learning and they get it right. And that costs you games. And that's what's happened in the past, but um, progress, 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 just show progress that you're, you're aware of what they are and you're trying to, to fix them. There's no, t- there's no doubt in my mind that every week penalties and turnovers are the topic of discussion amongst the team. You know, I mean, they're going to talk about that forever, but they got to be able to squash it and, and come out of a giants won the turnover battle this week and won a football game. That should tell you something right there. That'll do it for today's show. Jeff, always good to talk to you. Thank you, Mr. Dutino. I'll talk to you soon. Big Blue Kickoff Live is presented by New York Lottery. Get out there and play. As a reminder, you can find the archive of this show and our entire podcast network brought to you by Investors Bank on the Giants mobile app, podcast platforms everywhere, and at Giants.com slash podcast. You can always hear Big Blue Kickoff Live every weekday from 12 noon to 1 p.m. Eastern Time. It is live at 201-939-4513 or hit us up on Twitter at hashtag Giants Chat. Until next time, I'm Paul Dottino. So long, everybody.